Okay, yes. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Shall we um, sit and meditate for a few minutes while the other folks arrive? Good. So relax. And allow your body to draw you in. And allow your breath to draw you in. Pull you into the ground like a magnet pulling in iron filings to the body, to the earth. And relax and open your heart. Feel your goodness. Feel your kindness. Your meta. Imagining your loved ones in front of you. your friends in front of you. Knowing how you want them to be happy. It's natural. It's our natural love. If you have a pet or have had pets, include them. You don't want these dear ones to suffer. This natural compassion that we feel. And we feel it for ourselves as well. We want to be happy. It's not a sin. It's just who we are. We want to be peaceful, contented, safe, comfortable. And we don't want to suffer. So you can open your eyes and look around. 
all the squares here, all the members of our senior Sangha. And extend this metta to them. Maybe just pick out a square. I wish that you are happy. I wish that you're contented today. I wish that you feel safe today, at ease today. And that you don't suffer. Particularly from imagined concepts that are unnecessary. And wishing that for yourself too. I wish I have a happy day, an easeful day. And that I, through my practice of meditation and wisdom, awareness, that I extend this ease, that I extend my own well-being, my own confidence in just being to my loved ones, to everyone I meet. May I be of benefit. May my practice be of benefit. To all beings everywhere, may my good vibes ripple out and benefit all beings everywhere. Okay, thank you. So welcome, everyone. Um, especially newcomers. And a special welcome to Maria Stratman. Robert can't make it today, so we are blessed to have a my good old friend and wise Dharma teacher, Maria Stratman, joining us today. I knew Maria when she was a hospice chaplain. I was a hospice chaplain about, oh gosh, many years ago. And she's been teaching at IMC for probably 20 years. And of course, our dear friend and wise teacher, Fiona, will be teaching here today as well. So we hope to have a good day. So I want to... uh, begin with uh, a two-part meditation. So for the first part, if you could resume your meditation posture again. And relax your body again. And that's it. Don't do anything else. 
just be, just be natural. All you need to do is not be fake. Just be yourself and sit here. Don't meditate. Just sitting here without wanting to change anything or trying to do anything or be anything. Just effortless, just being here, being yourself. Okay, first part is done. And that's the second part too. (laughs) the first part is the second part just a simple wakefulness who would have thunk this is it that you're already awake You're awake, aren't you? You're conscious, aren't you? Right now? Just a simple wakefulness. No special state that we contrive. can't last if it can't last it's not worth much right you can get have this amazing experience of calm and brilliance and everything is so vivid and but that can't last it's not you It's a state, a created state by your effort. But this can last. This simple awareness is who you are. You're not a rock. You're not a corpse. So just be aware without trying to be aware of anything in particular. The Buddha described eight kinds of consciousnesses 
that we are aware of. Naturally aware of the six, the sense perceptions. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and blah, 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 thinking. We're just naturally aware of them. Right now, you might be aware of my voice, hearing. Or sensations in your body. Or you might notice some light or shadows behind your eyelids. Or some thoughts might happen. Aware of these appearances. And the seventh consciousness is very interesting. I forget the way it was described in the sutra, but it's the me, me consciousness, me, myself, and my, it's me, it's me, it's me. They insulted me or they praised me or my success or my failure. My material stuff. All these me's. And I love this because it's just, it's in the same equal category to all the others. So a me appears. And if we're just relaxed and we just stay right here, comfortable being ourselves, the me dissolves back in to the sky of this simple wakefulness. And anxiety appears and all kinds of thoughts accompany that anxiety like a thought storm. Stormy skies. Doesn't need an antidote. Just a recognition. This is, this is a storm cloud. And I'm, you know, this awakeness is still here. This knowing the storm cloud is still here. Bigger. The sky is bigger than the storm. And the storms always pass. This awareness 
doesn't prefer. It's very kind in that way. It doesn't judge. It's open, vivid, clear. Like the sky, like space. It accommodates whatever is happening, is accommodated by awareness, just like space accommodates. Everything is welcome into space. In a way, this is maybe a Teutonic shift, at least in my practice. A reorientation. Instead of gaining something, attaining something, becoming something, becoming enlightened, Becoming Buddha, recognizing I already am all those things. I already have this precious, sacred, awareness. All I have to do is be myself. The funny thing is, if you look for this awareness, if you try to find it, where is it? Is it to the right? Is it to the left? Is it above, below? Is it in your body? behind you, you can't find it. And we can just rest in that not finding and trust that emptiness that is full, completely full of presence, How nice. Just to be.
And we can get distracted. Habitual patterns. It's okay. We always come back. No big deal. What is this awareness? This empty presence, like a light, it knows, it shines a light, it illuminates sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, thoughts, afflictions. All appearances like a movie projector. If you look back at it in your theater, you look back at the movie projector, you see this light coming out of it, just a light. But if you look on the screen, colors, shapes, forms, a story, story after story. Just rest and be the light. You already are. Just don't be fake. And the rest takes care of itself. And if you get lost in some dream, just relax. We always come back. Trust is a big factor here. Just trust. Trust yourself. Okay. Thank you. So, um, shall we break up into some small groups and 
I um I had some suggestions for you know discussion in your small group. Um but the prevailing suggestion is just I think it would be great for people to hear and for you to share what you know about your own awareness, what you experience this fundamental quality, what you know about it, what you recognize about it. What kind of, what are the qualities that you, how could you describe this to each other? And how does it help you? Does this practice of just being aware or recognizing, does it help you in some way? Does it benefit you? And does it benefit others? Does your practice of being awareness benefit others? Is that pretty much um, Joe, what I what my prompts were? Maybe you could say them. I put them in the chat. Okay. All right. How long do you want the breakouts to be? Say 20 minutes. Okay. So, so the prompts are in the chat. Okay. See you. See you in a little while. Have a great, great discussion about this sacred awareness. I uh, welcome you all back, and I hope you had a good discussion. Um, and I know I would love to hear it. We couldn't hear your discussion. We just heard our own discussion. And I, I, I know that I would love to hear something about your discussion, and I'm sure everyone else would. So if you would be so kind, a few of you, share what, what was uh, talked about. I'll go. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, great, great. Uh, yeah, it's just nice to sit with everyone. Love the uh, the resting part that you did, David. And the meditation, yeah, you started with the, uh, you know, awareness being the space that accommodates. So we were talking about that, uh, you know, in, in the group about what is awareness. And then our common thread among the four of us was that the story that comes up. So I just <clears throat> uh, brought that out to the, uh, you know, the teachings that they have, the form and formless. So the story, I mean, the awareness is the formless. But I, I you know, I hate to admit how rare it is that, you know, I am like that. I, and then there is no agency here. Uh, that, you know, chooses that. But it just happens. Hopefully, you know, I become more accident-prone. The more I sit, the more I can see it. Uh, So, just like the story of, you know, seeing a bird, you know, then the awareness comes in, and then 
probably, you know, their story kicks in that if I, I probably shouldn't be going that way, maybe the bird will poop or something or many other things. So it's always like that. It's hard to, you know, stay with the awareness. Always the form comes in as a story. So, I mean, in, in some, going into the esoteric term in there, it's just like the formless or the space or awareness we can describe it as a god and then but you know i'm in the human realm and it it shows up itself sometimes hopefully you know uh it shows up more by practicing but it's just just flowing between the form and formless uh and then there is no agency here somebody was mentioning that uh, you know it just it's a fork in the road but i don't think i can choose that fork in the road and stay with this route road it just does it based on the causes and condition. Anyway, I, I said, uh, I said, um, thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yes, Robert, uh, Ali, try this on, this idea, anyhow. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, of, uh, so there's a, you see a rose, and you accept you see the rose? Or what, you know, when you say not. try this on, I'm sorry. I mean, is it like me that I need, I need to try this on? There is no I here that can choose. Okay. Let's go ahead. Sorry, go All ahead. Right. All right, thank you. Um, go ahead, thank- so there's a rose. Yes. And there's a, then there's a thought about the rose. Yes. Let it be. That will change into something else. Maybe a sound. And then a thought about a sound. And then maybe a story will come up about what my brother-in-law said to me yesterday. And then let that be. That's the idea. It's not creating some special state. That's the, 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 the clinging, the, the grasping. When the grasping comes in to a special state to make something or to get rid of something, that's when it gets problematic. So, But, you know, when the grasping or the fear or anything like that comes in, that space is gone. You know, the, and the fear comes in, that's the, it takes up the whole space. If you, don't have a, if you don't have a definition of the space, if, this, if it narrows into anger, that's it. That's all there gone. is. I mean, yeah. It's all there is. You aren't gone if you're still awake. You're not gone. If you get lost in the story and you and yes. get that's what time. happens usually. I mean yeah. but of you know, the meditation sitting and practicing is great to, you know, realize those moments of awareness and just like I think you were sharing about the you know, the that dog, you can just throw the bone to me, you know, I'll, middle of the way I run to catch the bone, but maybe, you know, after a few uh, half the way I can realize, oh, darn, I, sh- I don't need to go after that. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. Thank I'm you. Good. But, Thank I mean, you. yeah. Thank you. Someone else, please. One of the things that has come up for me as I have reflected on awareness is that I is that at least for me, using the term awareness suggests a certain mental state or mental formation, if you will. And I find it more helpful to use the term awareing to suggest that it is a dynamic process, that it is not not something that it is not something that it that it is a process beautiful thank you 
Someone else? Yeah. Um, so Andrea Fella teaches a technique involving, um, I call it awareness of awareness. And she um, taught, described like, how do I know I'm, how do I know I'm aware? And she gave an analogy of being in a dark room and all of a sudden the light comes on and you can see things and you turn around and you try to find where the light's coming from. But in this room, you can't figure out where it's coming from, but, but you can see things. And so if you can see things, then the light is on. Just, <laughs> so that's how you know the light is on because you can see things. And so the idea being that if, if I know something, then I'm aware. If, um, if um, like even even if I'm in a bad mental state, if I know I'm in a bad mental state, then I'm aware. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's what I took from it. Anyway. Thank you. That's wonderful. We are self-illuminated. <laughs> the the Buddha's. Uh, the final words is he was dying. It wasn't get rid of this and get that. It was be the light. Just be the light. And we are the light. If the light comes from nowhere, it just is. But it illuminates everything. These are beautiful comments. Anyone else? Someone else, please. Yeah, Jeannie. Got our unmute. group. Oh, go ahead. Me? <laughs> our group. Our group was pondering a little the um, image of the projector and the screen, and we had some various, you know, thoughts and and uh, our explanations of it for ourselves. So I was going to ask if you'd say more about that, but then I thought of the example, and and as well, the example one member of the group gave that I thought was so powerful was feeling so swept away by so much misery from world conditions to immediate conditions of her friends and family and aging. And, and anyway, lots, we, we don't need elaborations of all the forms that we see in our life, but this person was saying she came, she, she realized by giving that label grieving to her experience that it changed something in a good way and powerful way. Can you make a connection between the projector and the, and the screen? And Well, let's see. Um, so you're the, the experience is um, say anger uh, or grieving uh, or anxiety or, you know, and um, the light sees the um, anxiety. This there's anxiety here. It's it, without you know, and and without conceptualizing it or conceptualizing it, it doesn't matter. And uh, 
Just being with that. Being with the light. And being with whatever is being shown. And having some sense. That it's just this simple awakeness. And um, that's what this life is. It's just this simple wakefulness. And it keeps changing. The story on the screen keeps changing. And it might stay in a battle for a long time. But eventually the battle will change. But the, the, the trust, not that it's going to change for the better, uh, you know, or just the trust, the trust in being with, uh, as Fred said, awareing, being with awareing. That that's the vital point. The vital point is not the grief. The vital point is not the anger. The vital point is not, but everything is included. The vital point is is the awareness. Does that make sense as a response? Yeah. Um, Yen Kui Chuan. Yeah. Hello there, Hi everybody. This is my first time in the sangha, and thank you for the um, prompt in advance. Um, I wanted to, it's quite intriguing, the part that points to is awareness in your body or outside the body. And oftentimes I experience awareness through the six sense doors, very much coming from within this body mind. But then the question prompted me to, to have the possibility, experience the possibility of awareness outside or external out there not just coming from within through this then it got me thinking about self not the selfing that happens my this awareness being here and I own this awareness and so I was was just curious if you could speak a little bit more to that sense of awareness outside the body and then I start to envision outside is the here is the window outside the space is a space aware? Is a space sentient or alive? The trees, the sky, the what is this awareness about now? <laughs> and and you were just talking about the object being known, whether it's you know it's um, sadness, anxiety, whatever. And there's the that which knows, and also been been contemplating the relationship between the two. How how yeah, but it's not two. It's not true, yeah. And then it becomes just like being. Yeah. Like when there is a when there's a that which knows, then it becomes a getting or the. Yeah. So I was like, wait, and so it starts to shift. Yeah. So if we, yeah. Hmm. So it's just it's just being. Yeah. It's just knowing. It's just awareing, and it is boundless. It, it's not in the body or outside the body. It has no. It has no edges. Um. Yeah. Hmm. You can't find it. It just is. You you can't grasp it. It's ungraspable. It's whatever is it's 
it's whatever is um, on the screen at the time, yet it's empty. So the screen can flow, can just keep flowing. Um, But yeah, it's boundless to the right, boundless to the left, boundless above you, boundless below you, boundless in front of you, boundless behind you there. It's like the sky. And then whatever clouds or the moon or whatever comes into the sky and then passes through the sky. I'm not sure I'm answering your question. Yeah, maybe the question more is, I, I hear what you're saying, and sometimes this, sometimes that can be experienced. I want to say most of the times, the awareness is quite bounded. The awareness is um, the eye. It's yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't matter. That's it doesn't, just know that that's what's happening. Yeah, that's that's what's happening. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I was talking to a small group the other day about how I'm on this uh, board of directors and uh, and I'm kind of responsible for this situation, this board. And, and uh, somebody, I talked to somebody about some, some real significant issues that are, might be arising. And um, with this situation. And uh, then I, so I started, I sat, I was sitting Later, much, much later, I was sitting and, and it started to come to me and uh, like, you know, the future and, and what, how can I fix this and what can be done and anxiety and all those things. And then I realized I had, a, I don't have to do anything, just how wonderful. This is all so wonderful. All this is happening. And I just let it be. All this is happening. All this wondering about the future and worrying and all. How wonderful. How alive. There's one great master. His name is Patrul Rinpoche. He's, I think, 7th or 8th century. And he, uh, he talked about how strong emotions are such a support for awareness because they enliven us, they energize us. So we can welcome them. We can welcome everything. I I felt so alive with all that anxiety. And of course, you know, when you are open to it and accept it and, and, you know, appreciate it and trust, trust this simple beingness, it settles down because the being itself is so peaceful and so equanimous and so sublime and so so uh, content. One of the questions I asked in the prompt was, is this simple awareness enough through all of the permutations of our experience, this awareness that is always here 
through every through, through all of the ups and downs, all of the waves, all of the storms, all of the simplicity. Is that enough? Do we trust that? I would like to insert something here, and that is that uh, Sayadaw Utanjaniya has a book entitled Awareness Alone is Not Enough. And I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but the title intrigues me. Uh, he, he is suggesting that there is something beyond awareness. And I think it is what he refers to as wisdom. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, anyone else? One more, maybe? Is there one more? Okay. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion. And... uh, Maybe we'll take a 10-minute break, and and then uh, we'll hear from Maria Stratman, my my dear friend and wonderful Dharma teacher, when we come back. So, um, Well, hello, friends. It's really delightful to be here. I mean that, delightful. I'm aware of delight. This is is an important thing that I want to talk about. So, so I'm going to put an emphasis on awareness as knowing. I want us to think of the knowing part of awareness. Now, it's a, it's a specific kind of registering the experience. You know, when, well, I, I know I'm sitting on this chair, and we all know that we're sitting or standing wherever we are. But until we put our awareness there, we don't actually know it. You know, it's, it's sort of given. Of course, I know that I'm sitting. But until we put our awareness there and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, now. And then I start noticing things about the sitting. So, so it's a knowing that's just a raw knowing. Awareness is not attached to what it means or what it says or what the name is. It's just a knowing that is independent of what we think it means. It's independent of what we think about it. It's just, oh yeah, check, something something is here. Now, there are lots of qualities that we can be aware of, but it is this quality of knowing, registering, not what we know about it, but just the fact that we, ah, this, right? I notice delight. I notice my hands waving in the air. I don't have to put meaning to what those hands waving in the air is, but I notice the movement, the coolness. Okay, so so it is not directed. It is just, what am I noting? What am I noting? So I'm going to read you a quote. Uh, the quote is from uh, uh, Andrew Alinsky's book. Uh, I'm, I'll put it in the chat just in case you're interested in that. So... Oh, I'm not able to do that. 
If I send it to Joe, can I send it to Joe? Yeah. I'm not yeah. quite sure. Or maybe later. We can send it out later, too. Okay. All right. So I've sent it to you, David. Okay. So it's called Untangling Self is the name of the book. And uh, if, if you're so inclined, it's a, a wonderful book. So this is a quote. Every moment of mindfulness is also a moment of equanimity. It is not a disengagement from the object of awareness, but rather the full and complete engagement with it. It is engaging with the breath or with a feeling tone or with a thought without also either wanting it to stay or wanting it to be different than it is. Engagement, total engagement with whatever we're aware of without wanting it to be other than it is. Now, in our real world, that seems quite difficult, but it is, in fact, the practice. So if we think this this kind of put this knowing in the context of the five aggregates, which are common to every experience. So there's the materiality of the experience. You know, there's a thing here. Whoops. And now I can experience coffee on my keyboard, <laughs> which I'll quickly wrap up. So there is the thing, the materiality, the touch, taste, sound. There is the feeling tone, pleasant or unpleasant. There is the perception, which has a conceptual note to it, where where I look at this and now I say it's a cup, which is attached to it an idea. And then there's mental formations. What I think about the cup, the cup is warm, the cup is cold, the cup is pretty, the cup is obsolete. Whatever I think about it then is mental formations. And then there is awareness. Now, sometimes we think of awareness as being consciousness or, and we apply all sorts of noun words to awareness. But I really liked what Fred said about awareing. I think of awareness as more of a verb, like seeing. Awareness is, is a process and it is, it's what's happening in the moment and it is not tied to perception and mental formations or the materiality of it, but it involves those. Okay, so all of those aspects of experience are possible, are are present. And what's true of humans is that we tend to put a lot of emphasis on the uh, what we think about something. We establish meaning for what we notice, right? If I if I notice my hands waving, it must mean that something about me, something about my hands, something about my intentions, but really it's just the hands are waving. And so as close as we can get to the raw experience, the raw experience and not what we think about that experience, the closer we are to what we mean by awareness. It's just that. It's not more than that. So when we look at awareness as a series of mind moments, because it's not tied to a story or a meaning or what we think about it, but it's just this, just this, just this. If we think of awareness as just a series of mind moments, then we're closer to what we mean by awareness. 
It's the transient moments of knowing. Transient moments. It's a total embracing of the concept of impermanence. It comes and it goes. Awareness also comes and goes. And what we are aware of comes and goes. An object is known or felt or responded to emotionally. And then the event is over. Whatever just happened, happened, and it's over. And whatever is happening now, just happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a series of rapidly changing mind moments that is awareness. It's only our desire to attach meaning to things that makes us think of awareness as continuous. It was convenient to think of awareness as continuous because we sort of equate it with consciousness. This means I'm alive. And like a rapidly changing movie, the quicker it moves, the, the less aware we are of the individual frames of that movie, thinking in the film sense and not the digital sense here. And yet every moment is just this moment. Every awareness is just this. So, so I'm going to list some qualities of awareness that might make this more sensible. So first of all, awareness is entirely contingent. I can't be aware of yesterday and I can't be aware of tomorrow to be extreme. Now, I can be aware of... And that's an important part of some of awareness. Awareness is always aware of. It's not independent of what we're aware of. That's kind of an important fact. It's not like awareness is sitting over in the corner or in some segment of my brain or some segment of my consciousness. I'm aware of something. I'm aware of my attitude. I'm aware of the temperature. I'm aware of what I'm thinking. I'm aware of where my feet are, but it's all of something. So then if I say awareing of something is entirely contingent, it means that what I'm aware of is dependent on what the conditions are now, the conditions in this moment. Now, I can be aware of many things within this moment, many views, many conditions in this moment, but I can't be aware of all of them. The conditions of this moment, I can put, I can place my attention somewhere, like I'm sitting in the chair. And I may know that I have things behind me, but unless I look at them, I have some sensory awareness I don't know that they're there. I just kind of remember them. I have them tucked away as data in my brain. But as soon as I look at them, then I say, ah, and then I name them, right? Oh, this is a hand. Now, I could have said this is skin. But I've chosen a larger piece and said it's a hand. I could have said this is a body so that the awareness is kind of chosen. 
whether I choose to look small or large, it's a choosing of what I'm aware of. That makes awareness not only a condition of the experience, but also something over which I can exercise some effect. So let's think about what that might mean. The third thing I want to say about awareness is that an object, that that awareness of an object is always influenced by some sort of attitude or emotional response. Now, I'm going to think about that. The awareness of an object is influenced. The most common influence is what's my mind state. So what I notice is going to be somewhat dependent on Hmm, my energy is jagged, so I'm not going to land on anything. So my awareness is also going to have this quality of jaggedness. If I'm sitting in quiet meditation and I'm becoming more and more and more still, there's going to be a quality of stillness in the attitude of my mind, and my awareness is able to land more softly. It's able to notice things maybe that are more subtle as opposed to the jagged energy, which requires me to move quickly around my consciousness. Does this make sense to you? That the the quality of awareness is conditioned by our mind state, by the conditions that we find around us. And in turn, our awareness conditions the next moment. So if I am aware of my attitude of mind, which may be open or closed, then I also know that if my attitude is open, I'm able to take in more. And if it's closed, my mind is running down a rut. So if I can notice that, what I call running down a rut might also be high focus. Oh, so there's an attitude here that's influencing whether my awareness is focused or in a rut. Now, all of these ways of describing conditions are mental formations. It's a place we're really comfortable thinking about things. I'm comfortable thinking about my experience. It's a habit with me. I'm very used to that. Stepping back and putting more emphasis on the aggregate of awareness has a tendency to pull me out of what I think about the experience and move me closer to just the raw experience of awareness. Just this, not what I think about it. Perception, naming, Naming my attitude, naming my cup, naming moisture on my keyboard. Naming sets up a condition that alters my awareness and what I'm next aware of. Perception interprets. This is good. This is bad. I like this. I don't like this. This is pleasant. This is unpleasant. But the raw experience, the the just direct knowing can be 
unpleasant, pleasant. Whatever tends to take me out of forming meaning and relationships and into the story is something that I am now cultivating to help me get closer to this is actually what's happening. It moves me away from the mind habits, the tendencies of my mind to look at things a certain way. It allows me to just say, ah, this is what's happening. It leads me to a place of clear seeing. When I use the awareness with a kind of open comb and not a fine tooth comb. Does that make sense? There's, there's, a, there's a fluidity here that we can actually not control so much as be aware of so that we don't become locked in, this is how I experience my experience. But rather we can say, this is the person who is experiencing what I'm experiencing. And we, it shifts the attention, shifts the attention from it should be this way to this is how it is. This is how it is. And in this is how it is, is found freedom. Because I'm not trying to lock it into a pattern. I'm not allowing it to lock into a pattern. I'm saying, okay, pattern, I see pattern. It's what David called just being, just being. When I'm aware of my mind state, I can say, oh, this is what's happening now. And I can like it or not like it. It can be pleasant or unpleasant. So, for example, if I say uh, I notice that uh, ill will is present, this was something that actually happened to me a, a week ago that I've given a great deal of thought to. So I apologize if anybody's already heard this story. But in, I was talking to my husband and I was aware of just this miasma of ill will. I could just feel the grr feeling. The energy was just really negative. And I have a series of Dharma tools I use. So the first thing was to remind myself that first I noticed it, right? So the awareness of the negativity and the the ill will. And I reminded myself, this is not about him. This is is just the awareness of your bad mood. (laughs) Notice that the aversion to it. Ah, the struggle to not be aversive to aversion. Ah, (laughs) I feel the struggle. Now, this is all happening while we're trying to have a conversation. So not a lot of thinking, just a lot of noticing. And then as I I did that, I said, so one of my other Dharma tools is to think, what's my intention in this moment? And I recalled my intention to be kind to my husband. And there was a voice that came up and said, Oh, yeah, well, and I thought, okay, that's not actually effective right now. <laughs> and I realized that, that the only way to deal with aversion to aversion was to just let it be there. Not to so much welcome as to say, ah, unpleasant, unpleasant. I reverted to unpleasant 
And, you know, the Buddha had a series of instructions on how to deal with ill will. And it goes through all the, it's the similar step. You know, you take these little Dharma tricks. And then when all else fails, you just say, "Mm," you bite down, you bite your tongue, right? So that's what I did. I realized that despite my intention, anything I did was going to be tainted by this mind state, this ill will that was present. And the struggle against it was making it stronger. And so I literally bit my tongue and sat there and said, nothing, I will do nothing in this moment, which is, you know, the absence of something is also something, but it was the best I could do in that moment. It was the only skillful thing I could find to do to just bite my tongue and, and stop the story, the struggle, just stop, a, a literal stopping. It isn't stopping an action so much as it is adopting the place of mental stability. Okay, just saying, I'm going to settle for just this moment. Can't go on forever. I'm in a conversation, but for just this moment, I'm going to settle. And at that moment, at that very moment, I was looking, I looked out the window and some cedar wax wings came in. There were one of my favorite birds, they're beautiful, they like, have painted faces. And once a year, for two or three days, a flock of cedar wax wings comes in and cleans out the pyracanthic bushes below my window. And those, those cedar wax wings chose that moment to show up. And I experienced a moment of delight. In the midst of this miasma of ill will, there was a moment of delight. And I said, oh, the cedar wax wings are here. And my husband heard me say, the cedar wax wings are here. And he rushed over to the window also. And and the spell was broken. It's not that I did anything. It was actually doing nothing. But embracing the wisdom of impermanence. That it comes and goes. It's very hard to remember that when you're in the midst of a toxic attitude, a grieving attitude. And it doesn't matter what you name that attitude as long as you're aware of some quality that allows you to be present. And so it is just here, just here. And then I can shift my awareness to what else can I be aware of? It's that shifting What else can I see here that allows me to stop pointedly looking in some place and using the quality of awareness to just be, just be. We only have one shot at this moment. We should use it wisely. So those are my thoughts. Uh, we, I, I, what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to sort of explore these ideas within uh, a group. And so uh, what I suggest, let me see, what can I, um, what I suggest is that you look at the difference between perception and awareness. 
and see what can unfold there for you. What is the difference between perception and awareness? These are words that have meaning for everybody that are a little different. And so maybe exploring them will help arrive at this place of how, how, am, how is awareness allowing me to just be in this moment and see clearly? What does that mean in terms of just thisness? Just the experience of here's what's present. This is what's present. I am what present. So, so why don't you just explore that for a bit? What's the difference between perception and awareness? And how can I use that? How, how do I see that awareness as a piece that leads to wisdom? Okay. Joe, can you break us up? David, you're muted. Thank you, Freda. <laughs> so um, it'll, it's always so wonderful to hear Fiona's voice. So please. Fiona, you're muted. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> what would we do without Freda? <laughs> oh. So, maybe you just settle a little bit. There's been a lot of sharing and beautiful words, but uh, maybe just have a moment. We can be quiet. Sort of re- regroup. Just feel we're back in our seat. We're gathering in quiet. Maria had uh, spoken about this experience of, uh, you know, the, the whirlwind, the of uh, being caught up in strong emotion and this was anger, how it affects everything. You know, if, if we just see that, if we just feel, or if we don't even recognize, we're caught. And to recognize, oh, this is, this is what's happening. And uh, it's big. <laughs> but having being able to name and see it, recognize, and then opening up to actually being open to recognizing what else is here as well. And I had just shared in our small group, um, someone earlier had talked about um, grief, also a very strong emotion. And um, I had shared that that had been uh, a familiar visitor in my life these last few years, um, changing over time, but very strong in the early years of uh, being a widow. And 
I remember one day in the early months after losing my husband, I, I caught myself whistling. And I was whistling a happy tune. And I thought, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. This too. It didn't spell my overall journey through grief, but I could hold this too. I could feel delight as well as loss. And I think this awareness, our sense of being able to acknowledge and open up and relax, what else? What else is here? What can I be present for and hold? I just, I wanted to read, I, um, our senior saga has been reading a book for aging. And as a counterbalance to the grace and aging, I had also been reading uh, a book by Susan Moon, who's a lay uh, Zen Dharma teacher and author. And her book, uh, this is getting old. And it's a delightful collection of um, essays, a fair amount of humor and self-deprecation uh, and honesty. You know, the stage of life, like, look at this. But the last chapter really touched me, and I I hope it's okay if I can share and read this. So thankful thankful to Susan Moon. And um, I used to read stories to my husband in, <laughs> in bed. I love to read stories to my son. And then we got into a period of time where before bed, I, my husband wanted me to read out loud. So maybe this is sort of a midday bedtime story. This is in her last chapter called This Vast Life. And in the beginning, she talks about the experience of being with her two-year-old grandson, who's just aware and present. Every moment is fresh, and she can just slow down and be with him. And then visiting an elder friend in his 80s, a Dominican, I mean, a Benedictine monk, who also studied Zen and meditated. His life was very simple and spent much of his time just really wanting to rest in awareness as he would sit in his small apartment with his casket there in his apartment, just present with his final home in that, the body's final home in his casket. So here's the last couple of paragraphs of her book and this chapter, The Vast Life. In between the toddler and that old man is a span of over 80 years. And most of us in those intervening decades tangle ourselves up in knots over the things we don't have that we want and the things we have that we don't want. We run around trying to fix things in our personal lives 
and in the life of the planet. It's a good thing we do because it's actually our responsibility to fix things. We need to fix the plumbing, for example. The toddler and the old monk aren't fixing the plumbing. They need us, they need us to take care of them, but we need them too, to remind us that everything is already taken care of. I like to think about how we are completely held by the atmosphere in a literal way. The air that surrounds each of our bodies, that flows in and out of our lungs, is not nothing. It's thick with molecules, and it fills up all the gaps and cracks between us and the other bodies and objects around us. The furniture, the walls of the room, the trees outside, the buildings. There's no empty space. The air is fluid, making room for us, so that each of us inhabits a nook that is exactly our size and shape. The air kindly moves with us when we move. It's like those soft rocks you can find on the beaches of Northern California that have tiny mollusks living inside them in the holes they made for themselves. We're all connected, molecule to molecule. I'm held by everything that's not me. And she goes on to talk about her retreat by the ocean and listening to the ocean waves, the constancy, the coming and going, and then the constancy of our breath coming and going. This constant presence of the breath in this body, in this life. She says, the sound of the ocean is the sound of time passing, the sound of one moment giving way to the next. Each wave, each moment is a gate that I pass through into the next moment. And even if I'm not sitting by the ocean, one wave of my life is still followed immediately by the next with no completely quiet place in between. I love the vow. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. I keep giving myself away to the next moment, and the next moment receives me. I just have to step through. I love the vow. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. I keep giving myself away to the next moment, and the next moment receives me. I just have to step through. So,
this gift of time in our life now. Just we have this moment, this time to open to this life, to open and relax and really see or acknowledge that we are held, that we are held in awareness and that we are connected. Every molecule holds us. We are connected. And we are entering tomorrow, Earth Day, this sense of honoring, you know, that bird at the window, that breeze, this earth, this planet, this nature that we are so intrinsically part of. If we can relax and open and feel blessed and share this blessing with all beings, known and unknown. So thank you all for this time together and our sharing and this Sangha. May you all be blessed. If you'd like to unmute and say goodbye, please do. Thank you all. Bye. 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 Thank all of you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. So thank you, Joe, again. Sure. You are uh, a little technical. <laughs> Yes, we so appreciate you, Joe. You make our lives so easy. <laughs> it's just such a luxury. Thank you. See you uh, next time. Okay. Thank <laughs> and thank you, Maria. Thank you so much, Maria. So great to have you. You're muted. Maria, you're muted. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful to see you and to see everyone and to be part of the Sangha. Thank you. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. Be well. Okay.